Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering menu, food, and drink for both brands. Today I'm chatting with Scott Randolph, Vice President of Culinary at IHOP. As the top chef for the 1,600-unit chain, he has been instrumental in expanding IHOP's positioning from the breakfast leader to the all-day leader adding signature burritos, burgers, bowls, and melts to the menu. Scott has also elevated breakfast offerings, most recently with new French toast, or NFT, made fluffier with thicker challah bread. As portability and customization have gained importance, he is also developing new items that fit those formats. Listen as Scott talks about the growth of IHOP's Bubbles and Brews beverage program as well as Fast Casual Sibling Flipped, as well as his stardom on TikTok and the surprises he has in store for IHOP's menu. Welcome, Scott. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Patricia. How's your day going? It's going well. So start by telling me a little bit about your culinary journey and how it ended up at IHOP. So I've been doing R&D for a lot of years, a little over 20 years. I started with LG Sky Chefs and my first R&D job was with American Airlines, which allowed me to travel the world. And then I had a family. So traveling the world didn't, wasn't part of my life anymore. So then I went over on to the restaurant chain side. So I was the VP for both Applebee's and TJ Fridays. And I moved over to IHOP about four years ago. And my anniversary is actually on Monday. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Great. And I know that Applebee's just got a new chef, too. We just wrote yeah. about it. <laughs> we just hired Scott Rodriguez. Uh, uh-huh. I believe he came over from Papa John's. Uh, he's going to do awesome in that role. It's I love Applebee's and IHOP, but uh, yeah, he'll do awesome in that role. Right. Well, how did your experience at American Airlines and some of the independent restaurants that you work for kind of inform what you're doing at IHOP now? So Precision. So you're making day-to-day decisions when you're doing independent restaurants or hotels. And at that level, it's all about the guests. So immediate interaction, immediate feedback, and there's nothing better than having a happy guest, but you still have to manage the unhappy guest, right? So you learn that early on in your career. And then making the transfer over to American Airlines and doing R&D on a global scale, you lose all that interaction. So what you have to move over to is precision. So are the recipes correct? Um, are you sourcing the proper food? So you have to put all the checks and balances in before it gets the guest because you're not personally feeding the guests. You, you know, for LSG, for example, we have 2,000 kitchens. Or I have, we have close to 1,700 kitchens. So I have to rely on my team to cook the food according to the recipe. And to make them successful, we have to source the best product. We have to you know, check all the boxes before it even goes into the restaurant, before the consumer tastes the product. Well, IHOP is such a legacy brand. I mean, I went there as a kid and that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) But how are you moving it away from pancakes and breakfast? Because that's kind of the niche it occupied for a while. And what are some of the things you've developed that kind of move it away from that area? Yeah, so we've been around since 1965. So we reinvented ourselves a few times over the years. But what's interesting is we always want to be the breakfast leader, no matter what. We're always pushing on the breakfast side. 
as you know, we just launched Thick and Fluffy French Toast, which is 100% challah with a very simple egg custard, which just has a high quality cinnamon and high quality vanilla in it. So that's an example of how we're building our pillars to be the breakfast leader. But with that said, there's still 24 hours in the day. So we are working on becoming the all day leader. And as you can probably see over the last year, we've been promoting a happy hour, which is driving our guests into our PM from three o'clock on. There's a abundant value on our menu um, to get people to experience our awesome hamburgers and our new Salisbury steak and our all natural salmon. I want people to understand that even though we are the breakfast leaders, we're also going to be the PM leaders here soon as mm -hmm. well. Are you doing anything different uh, to offer value now that inflation is hurting everybody? Yeah, so at IHOP, we've always said abundant value. And you can tell by our guests, we're heavily used um, on the weekends and during the family events because, you know, something like our omelet is sometimes 16 to 20 ounces. So there's an abundant value. So there's a value for the dollar. Um, and I, as I touched on earlier, we're also doing IHOPI hour. Um, which everything starts at $6. And we have plenty of different things. We have our two by two. We have our classic cheeseburger. We have pancakes. We have quite a few things on our iHoppy Hour, which drives value every day of the week. I'm really intrigued by the burritos and melts up because that's really a departure from what I remember iHop as being. So tell me how you, you know, came up with those items and, you know, how you're differentiating them. Yeah. So Burritos and bowls are, are very interesting, and the melts are a little bit more contemporary than what our traditional IHOP is, but that was a guest need. So over the last few years, we've spoken to over a thousand IHOP guests and employees and say, hey, I know we're doing these things amazing over here. What else can we offer? And that's where bowls and melts came in, burritos came into play. And one of the big reasons was portability. So if we can have products that are more portable, um, and then we can increase our traffic, which that's what we're laser focused on always is how do we get more guests through the doors? And what's really interesting about that, by introducing bowls, we are actually able to add new ingredients, new items to, you know, a classic, you know, an IHOP is, which is our omelets. Mm -hmm. But you're also promoting customization a lot while other restaurant chains are kind of backing away from it because it's a little you know, it's hard to execute sometimes and it's hard to order online that way. So why is customization so important to IHOP? You know, what's interesting is if you look in the data with our guests, about 40, 45 percent of everybody in the U.S. is going after a lifestyle diet. And so if you come in IHOP and we have all of our omelets have cheese on them, that may not fit your lifestyle at that particular time. Mm -hmm. um, so we really want to avoid the veto vote. And you know, our guest is part of our family for the most part. Um, as you know, we're a franchisee operations. We have over 300 franchisees. And a lot of them are a big part of the community. They own one or two restaurants. And the community, like we have such a cult following and we want to make sure we're taking care of all of our guests. I don't know the exact number, but honestly, it's between 40 and 60% of customization, um, at least at our breakfast menu. Because you can get scrambled eggs or over easy eggs just as easy in I have kitchen as getting a, you know, a ham and cheese omelet with bacon instead of ham, right? Mm -hmm. And did you have to bring in additional SKUs to make customization possible or to extend it as you are? No, what, what we did is we worked from operations backwards. So the way we're set, the way we set up our point of sale, the way we have our 
wait staff speak to our guests or deliver it to our guests. As I said earlier, we want to make sure our guests feel like they're part of our family. So we always try to go after every request. And do you use LTOs a lot to introduce new ideas? Um, we do. We do two LTOs. We are shifting the way we do business. So LTOs are more of a promotional tool for us now. And we do more. We do. We shift to a more of a core menu um, approach for new ideas. So we try to do it twice a year. And the reason for that, we had to shift because of the pandemic due to sourcing issues of products. We can do farther mm-hmm. out planning, but then we'll promote products according to our, our, our um, purchasing department really promote this product in January, February, because there's going to be a extra amount of product or it's going to be at a great price or whatever that is, or something as simple as we have, we just did Manians um, back in June. And that was a big promotion that we worked on for six to seven months to make sure we could supply product. Right. And then you have the NFT promotion that just launched recently with. Yes. And we actually launched the new French toast NFT. We dropped an NFT. Um, we did that with our core menu, and then we're gonna we started promoting it now, and then we're gonna pr- promote it again in December with a bunch of different holiday builds. And what's really interesting by the world has changed a little bit versus doing five or six LTOs a year by doing two core menus, and they're promoting off the core menu. We've become much much more consistent in execution, and our value scores and our appreciation from our guests has gone up dramatically. It also seems that you're doing more all-day kinds of items. I mean, because you want to promote IHOP as a destination where you could come all day long. Is that yeah, true? That's 100% true. And, you know, I always use McDonald's as that example because they did breakfast all day for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and at IHOP, we kind of do it differently because you can get a burger any day of the week, any time of the day. And what a lot of people have kind of found these secret codes or secret menus that I have, I can still eat a burger and instead of getting French fries, I can get a stack of pancakes. So I'm kind of having breakfast and lunch at the same time. So that's kind of like this really cool brunch. And once people realize that they can get pancakes with anything they order through customization, it's really interesting how many people actually do that. Yeah, I would definitely do that. Yes, I've done it multiple times. Yeah, I mean, I like fries, but pancakes are, you know, something you don't get as often. So it would be more fun. And what about alcoholic beverages? I know at a few of your locations, you started testing beer and wine. Do you see that expanding so you can make like I have more of a brunch destination? Yeah. And so our internal program, our menu, we call it bubbles and brews. Um, So it can (laughs) encompass wine and champagne or mimosas and and beer, et cetera. So the initial test has gone so well for us. I believe we're in about 15 units currently. We actually just hired a new director of beverage, which we've never had IHOP before, mm. um, who starts later this year. And we plan on having 100 restaurants within tests before February because we're in the ramp-up stage right now. Yes, we do see it as a big part. So as, you know, as we talked about earlier, with the pandemic, we had to do some stuff for off-premise, things that would travel well. Our younger guests expect to have a glass of wine or a mimosa when they're dining out. Um, so our guest needs are changing. So it's very important for us to change with them. So to answer your question, yes, we're going full full tilt with uh, bubbles and brews. Cool. So do you have to train like your staff to do this? Or are you bringing in bartenders or how is um, that working? So- 
Yeah. So we have to train our, we have to train our staff and that's why it's been a little bit of a, a slow roll. We we've had the 10 to 15 stores now for about six months. Um, we have a very intricate, we call it strategic operations. And that's our training department within, within IHOP corporate. And they spend a lot of time at the restaurants to make sure we're catching all the little nuances and making sure, you know, we're following the laws and all these things because alcohol is just a completely different thing for us right. um, at our restaurant level. Yeah. So you don't actually have bars, but the, like the wait staff can serve. Yeah. So the wait staff can serve. If you are lucky enough to go to our Reno store or our Vegas store, we actually have bars, but those are oh. one-off restaurants. Correct. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Different clientele, trying to feed the need for the clientele. Yeah, definitely. Well, you, you did talk a little bit about beverages. So are you focusing on the drink side of the menu, especially with, I know some of your competitors are, you know, like upgrading their coffee service or they're doing more fresh juices and that kind of thing is that something you're looking into uh, yes we we are definitely looking in that and and that goes back to our two sides of craving right so you know indulgent could be our splashers which is you know a mixture of sodas and lemonades and we just had we just actually had our general conference last week with our franchisees and we showed them our our fresh uh orange juice with fresh mango in it last week because mm. it's something we're going after and you know they were super excited about it don't know if that's going to make it on the menu, but it's it's putting our toes in there to see if we get response um, with our franchisee partners. Beverages are going to be a big part of our growth um, because our consumers telling us we need more beverages. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I know that coffee is a very competitive area now for breakfast concepts, especially. Huge, huge market for breakfast. We're we're always looking at coffee. And we're always trying to make sure we have the best quality. Um, we spent a lot of time on, on QA, et cetera. You know, we're still one of the only brands that I know of that still puts a whole pot of coffee on the table. Mm -hmm. um, and that drives a lot of guests into IHOP because they don't have to wait for the second cup or the third cup. There's always just a pot sitting there for them to enjoy. Yeah, that's definitely a plus because yes. sometimes it takes a long time to get that second cup. <laughs> now, I actually visited a flipped in New York City. That's your, your fast casual spinoff. And it was really a lot of fun. Um, and it seems to have like a hipper menu that appeals to a younger crowd. Is that kind of the goal with Flipped? That is actually the main goal. We're doing a inner cities, so we um, in into the metro area. So we have in New York City. We actually have one in Lawrence, which is more of a college town, Lawrence, Kansas. We just opened in Maryland, um, which is more of the the city market. And you know, the key goal or one of our um, guardrails there is to make sure we, we always have fresh ingredients and it's port portability, right? Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about that, we undercovered a, a big rock with our, you know, the mothership IHOP as we were working on Flipped. We never actually put two and two together and realized that we actually cook everything from scratch at IHOP. So we're 80% from the griddle to order. So that's why we can customize so much because we're actually not, we don't start cooking until the guest says, hey, this is what I want. And we took that. So that's why we're going to start talking about customization, because that was a rock that we turned over as we were building Flipped. And Flipped, do they have the same kind of, um, you know, source from the same suppliers or do they use different suppliers? Um, so we we use the same pancake mix. We use the same French toast. There's certain th certain things we use the same egg, same egg, same brioche bun. Mm -hmm. um, but with that said, we have other things that flipped that we don't do at current IHOP, such as our bakery case. 
-hmm. So we have an all butter croissant. We have scratch made muffins in house. So it is a, it's a mixture of IHOP core items and then some new items. And it's really interesting. So probably about a third of the menu had flipped. Um, we try to buy locally so oh. we can kind of support the local community as well. Mm -hmm. And how many flipped are there now? Um, so currently there is three flipped. We have Cincinnati opening in, I want to say two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have, I believe Columbus coming in end of the right beginning of the year. So that'll put us all the way up to five. And then we have five or six more on the books for early part of next year. So it's starting to grow pretty quick. Yeah, exciting. It was it a lot is. of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that visit. <laughs> and I also was intrigued by, I read that you did a fine dining dinner in a tiny house restaurant for IHOP. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me what that was about. And is that something you would do again or? Uh, you know, I can tell you that was a lot of fun, except actually having to act on Tiny House because I'm a horrible actor. <laughs> so we did it. We did. A, I don't know what they're called. Like, I guess it's a segue. So we were like a commercial in between the actual Tiny House episodes. We only had like 30 seconds or a minute, but it was pretty that was pretty fun. But the actual Tiny House, what was so interesting about that um, is we only had like a four by four square kitchen. And we did a fine dining menu, which was absolutely a blast. Um, I don't think we could do it every day at IHOP, but we had um, color changing sugar. We did uh, egg custards. Um, we did these really cool funky pancakes. So it was a lot of fun. And just being an R&D chef or just being a chef in general, to be able to show people, and we used all mostly IHOP ingredients to show people how awesome quality our food is. And if we just tweak here and there, it can be fine dining, right? So it was a really interesting thing. Yeah. Have you done anything like that in other, like for other shows or in other events? Not, no, not, not at IHOP. We've been, we've done quite a, I'm trying to think about that now. We've done quite a few tidbits, et cetera. We're, we're in talks right now with Food Network to do something really fun. Oh, cool. um, and you remember a few years ago, we, we did the whole IHOP. So we were on every radio station and everything and they were right. in our kitchens and you know, trying to understand where we would cook hamburgers versus pancakes, even though we have had hamburgers for the last 20 years, um, <laughs> people can get their heads wrapped around that we actually have two separate griddles in all of our kitchens. Right. And you're also doing some plant-based items now too. I know in Flipped you are, maybe not in all the IHOPs. But... Um, so what's really interesting is Flipped is kind of, we use it as a launching pad, right? So we've had, we, we, we partnered with Sweet Earth, which is a Nestle brand. Because we really love the flavor, we love the integrity of the product. We love, we just love the story that Sweet Earth brought to us. So it's been in flip for almost six months, and it's selling off the selling off the charts, right? So the New York City location that you went to, we sell close to eighteen to twenty a day sandwiches using the plant based sausage. So believe it or not, we actually launched that last week Monday in the core restaurant. Oh. And we're about 160% over forecast already. So wow. not last Monday, two Mondays ago. Sorry. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> yes. Complete shift from our core IHOP guests, right? So we still get omelets and pancakes and all that is always on the uptick. But to see something that's completely opposite we've done in the past just take off is very rewarding. And I think we're going on the right path. Do you also serve plant-based milks like almond milk and oat milk for the coffee? Um, so we are currently working on oat milk. 
Um, so we're planning on launching oat milk in April, which is our core menu, core one menu launch. So mm -hmm. April of 23, believe it or not, um, with a brand our size, we really want to do something like PC. So it's, we can put one or two on the table and customize. There's no raw material. So mm. there's no, there's not enough caps. There's not enough labels or cups or, so we, we held off until April. And what's really reassuring is we did the plant-based a few weeks ago. So now our consumer is actually asking for it more because, right, they came in. So we've had so many requests. So we're, we know we're going down the right path. Yeah, that's crazy. So I know that you mentioned supply challenges. Um, is R&D changing at all in light of the supply chain or inflation or the labor challenges? Maybe you're not facing them as much as other concepts are, but just wondering. Um, and, and everybody everybody has labor challenges, correct? Mm -hmm. And we, we just figure out, we're trying to figure out how to, I can't say execute around them, just we have better training materials now that we've had before. But as far as sourcing goes, earlier I touched base around we have we have two core menus we're trying to to populate. Then we then we forecast or we promote around the core menus. That's really helped us with our R and D. It's added a little bit of extended time onto our process. We just have to be more organized and in for lack of better words, more buttoned up prior to our deadlines. And what what's really helped is with a brand as big as us. We have a really good relationship with a lot of our manufacturers. And if we're ahead of the schedule, we get favored line time, um, production schedules, things like that, as long as we're organized. Um, so it's just with shortages, et cetera, we just have to be more organized, I guess, is the top line. Right. And I always like to ask my podcast guests this question. So we're moving into 2023 pretty quickly now. Yes. So what are you most looking forward to both professionally and personally? You know, so pref professionally um, at IHOP, we we have put a stake in the ground and we did that in beginning of the year that we want to retake all the pillars of breakfast Why we're still going after our, our PM offerings. And I look forward to the other pillars we're going to take over in 2023, uh, but you need to stay tuned for that before I can start talking about it. On a personal level, believe it or not, uh, I'm actually really old, but I have young kids. And my daughter starts high school next year. So I'm super excited because she's been swimming with the high school swim team for a year or two. And now she can actually start competing next year. So that's going to be a big event in our household. We are a swim family. We spend so much time in the pool that I actually started swimming on a regular basis because I was bored sitting at the pool. <laughs> that's very cool. Well, that sounds exciting. Lots to look forward to. Yes. And I guess my last question is because everyone is TikToking, is that something that you would ever do or have done? Or I know IHOP does a little bit on the side, but as a chef, would you get on TikTok? Um, so I actually am the face of TikTok for IHOP. Oh. Um, I don't know how rewarding it is because I haven't watched it yet, but they tell me I have a lot of followers. Okay. Well, I, you know, I guess I have to get with the program too, because I haven't followed you yet. Yes. What's really exciting about TikTok is we're not teaching people at this point, we're not teaching people new builds. We're trying to teach them basics of cooking. So how mm -hmm. to make the perfect pancake, how to make the perfect milkshake, um, how to make the perfect waffle, all these different things, just the whisking techniques, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of added value. So yes, if I ever decide to leave IHOP, I would probably do that from an educational standpoint. But at this point, my heart's with IHOP. 
Thanks so much, Scott. IHOP certainly isn't the international house of pancakes I remember from my childhood. Please join me next time as we explore food, drink, and culinary trends on Menu Feed. You can download this and past episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Pat Kobe.